Advent. See, Advent, we often look back at the story of Jesus' first coming with the story of the angel coming to Mary and a lot of these things we have figurines of, right? We look to the past, but Advent is more than that. Advent is about what is coming, and it's about the anticipation of Jesus Christ coming again. And just in the same way that we look back fondly on some memories and think back to some great seasons of Christmas, and that gives us courage and strength for this very unusual coming of Christmas, um, in the same way and in a much deeper and more profound way as a church, we look to the story of Jesus and remind ourselves that he is coming again. Amen, church? Well, today, our theme word, if you haven't picked up on it, is joy. We are talking about joy in this particular Sunday of Advent. And I have to start by saying, joy is something that everybody wants, right? It's going to be the rare individual who goes, I want no joy in my life, right? I mean, most people go, I want joy and even more than just the somewhat euphoric feeling that comes of joy, there's actually lots of benefits to it. You know what's interesting in, in the study of psychology and how psychosomatics, it works out in our, our physicality? Joy actually has tremendous health benefits. Do you know that being a person filled with joy, you're going to sleep better, you're likely to have you know, lower stress levels and blood pressure, your relationships tend to go better, um, it, it really is fascinating, the studies that they do on joy. But we have a problem with joy as a culture. We have a problem with it for at least two reasons. One, it's become a buzzword that's a little hollow, okay? Um, for those of you who may be in marketing, right? I'm sure we've got people who are connected to the marketing sphere. You see joy all over the place this time of year. Everywhere. And even down to some of the most inane things, right? I saw an advertisement for lip balm. That said, have joy this year, buy our lip balm. You know, it's like, if, if joy was that easy to come by, right, I, I feel like we would have had a bit of a better year than we've had thus far, right? So we tend to use it as a buzzword, and we're not really understanding what's underneath it, right? We tend to associate it with just feeling happy, you know, a momentary kind of lightness of spirits and going, oh, that's joy. That's our first problem. The second problem is that we tend to go about joy in the wrong way. We tend to go about getting to joy in the wrong way, and it actually ends up killing the joy that we're fighting so hard for. Have any of you had an experience, which, by the way, thank you for a family reading for us today. I feel like I need to up my, my game here. Like, I need a vest or something. You all looking great, right? But let me just say something that, that is, is kind of a running joke, right? family fun time, right? You know why I'm putting this in quotes? You know, most people say you can have one or the other, okay? You can have family time or you can have fun time. But trying to force those things two together is hard. It's like lots of different relationships that we have where there's this idea that I, I want it to be just this joyous moment and you put thought into it, you put time into it. This could be a friendship, right? It could be a job. It could be a relationship with a loved one, right? And we put so much effort into this moment that we actually end up chokeholding all the joy out of it and everyone walks away dissatisfied. Now, I love the testimony that we had because Christmas is a great kind of litmus test for this, right? 
Um, I love that the story of just the simple joy that comes from like a pair of skates or, or seeing uh, a piano, you know, that came at a sacrifice for that moment. And when kids, no one has joy like kids, right? Just this simple pleasure. But even that can have a problem. Have you ever noticed, whether you have kids or you've seen the movies or you've heard horror stories from your friends, whatever, right, that when more and more gifts start to pile up, you know what happens in that moment? Actually, the opposite of joy, right? It becomes a feeding frenzy where you open up a gift and you go, oh, this is great. You toss it to the side. You open up the next gift. You go, oh, this is great. You toss it and it's next, it's next, it's next. They're not even stopping to play with the toy, nor to appreciate the toy and, more significantly, feel the care that somebody put into getting it, right? The relational aspect. It becomes this, this sort of hyper-feeding frenzy. By the way, at the newbie household, we have a minimum, a minimum of a five-minute timeout between gifts for this very reason. You open it, we don't open another thing for at least five, and Christmas takes us like through lunch, right? <laughs> it takes us through lunch because we're like, we're spreading this thing out. I, I spend too much time on that, you know, for you to just tear through it. Right? But it's the problem of joy. And it's not just kids with gifts, you know, it, it, it's actually our whole culture. This is why unboxing videos are a thing. Has anyone, has anyone seen an unboxing video? It's, there's people, thank you, thank you. There, there, there's people whose entire lucrative career is simply sitting in front of a camera and opening a box, right? And going, well, the packaging seems sturdy, and if I open it, oh, it looks like it comes in a bag. And, and for like 25 minutes, they're not even like plugging the product in. They're just opening it. And you know what? It's so indicative of a culture that is so now and next and just pick it up, throw it out, pick it up, throw it out, that being forced to actually slow down and watch somebody open a box is a novel thing. And it touches something in our psyche right now. We have a problem with joy. And I'm going to phrase it this way today, that when we try to make everyday joys our eternal joy, it will fall flat every time. When we, when we try to make that relationship, we try to make that morning, that, that event, that spouse, that job, that whatever, when we try to saddle that with this weight of eternity in our hearts and try to mine from it an eternal joy, it will run dry. And it will leave you disappointed. And here's the heart of today's message. We get joy wrong because we try to find eternal significance in everyday things. But what the Bible actually talks about is that eternal joy unlocks everyday joy. That when you start with the joy of the Lord, when you start with the joy of Jesus in your life, it doesn't just stop there. It actually has a domino effect and you, it unlocks joy in the rest of your life. And you can find yourself smiling at things that you would have walked past otherwise because it's not trying to bear the weight of eternity that it was never meant to hold. Eternal joy unlocks everyday joy. Look with me at John chapter 15. We're going to have a very simple, straightforward message today about joy from John chapter 15. Now, for context, John 15 is about the vine and the branches. It's a very famous text. 
where Jesus is likening himself to the vine. He's likening his followers to branches. And he's saying, if you stay connected to me, then you will bear fruit. Not because you're just the greatest vine in town. Not because you're a better vine than that vine over there. But because you are connected to the branch. Because you are connected to the source of life, Jesus. And then in that place, not because you just worked harder and hustled more spiritually than the rest, but because the Spirit of God is working through you, then you will produce an everlasting fruit. Now, in that context is what brings us to our topic of joy today. Look at what he says in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, all of these things. I'm the vine, you're the branches, follow my commands, love, be in the love of God, abide in it. I have spoken these things to you, why? I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now listen to that. My joy may be in you, and then once that happens, your joy may be full. Right? We're talking two different things here. The joy of Jesus and your personal joy. Now, what's the joy of Jesus? That's this kind of an interesting thought. When Jesus says, I'm telling you all of this because I want my joy to be active and and grounding in your life. What was the joy of Jesus? What is he wanting us to experience that he says, I experience this? It's the joy of a relationship with God. A joy that comes from, from the knowledge and the meditation and abiding in the truth that I am actually connected to the God who created everything to the God who breathed life into the dust. And that actually breathed life into us today. See, Jesus, it's not that every moment of his was like opening up a a gift on Christmas and he just went from success to success, right? It's not equating it to happy moments, although that can be part of it, right? Jesus says, I have an enduring joy Jesus frequently talks about how I only say that which the Father has told me to say. He wasn't up there just riffing, right? Jesus was there as the Word, the communication, the revelation of God. It's not, he says, I wasn't just here doing my own agenda. I am about what the Father has called me to do, what I say, where I go, when I heal, when I walk by. All of these things are because he was connected to God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and living this out. And the kingdom of God was being worked out through his life and ministry. And it brought a deep and abiding joy. A joy that was not fickle. A joy that did not change whether his people from his hometown liked him or they were talking bad about him. Right? A joy that didn't change whether his disciples were like on the ball and listening and following or whether they're falling apart and scattering. This is why, church, that at the death of Jesus, the most horrific part was not a scourging. 
It was not being nailed upon a cross. It wasn't even the physical pain as horrific as it was. It's actually when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God who exists as Trinity. Each person is fully God, and yet there is one God. And there was a separation. The ultimate price of sin, separation, not just pain. And Jesus lived with this deep and abiding joy. That is the joy of Jesus. That is the joy that says... I am I'm in relationship with God, and his work is flowing through me. And Jesus invites us into that relationship. See, that's where true joy actually starts. There is a cry in each heart that, that knows that there has to be something more to life than what we live. Have you ever wondered why, like, every person is wired for more than whatever they experience? And, I mean, I, I've, I've talked with people where I have almost nothing, I've talked with people who are the 1% of the 1%, okay? And the heart continues to crave more because we know that we are wired for something more than just the next great toy or the next, you know, positive interaction I have with another person. Jesus invites us into his joy. He says, I'm telling you all this. I want you to abide because here's the equation. When you abide in God, when you're connected to him, when the spirit is working in your life, fruit is being produced, then you will know my joy, the joy of Jesus, the joy grounded in that relationship. And then, I'm going to say it again, and then, and only then, will your joy be full. Because everlasting joy unlocks eternal joy. Otherwise, what we end up doing is gain joy wrong, right? We either equate it to that little, you know, euphoria high when you find that perfect lip balm for you, you know, that promises joy. And you got it for about 30 seconds, okay? Then it goes in the pocket and you forget about it. Or you pin it on a relationship, you pin it on a kid smiling when he opens up something, right? And it rises and falls with the situation, But when you actually embrace the joy of Jesus, because you're abiding in the vine, it actually takes away this, I'm going to squeeze the life out of everything because I'm trying so hard to get eternal joy out of this. And it frees you up to actually enjoy the life that you have instead of being bitter about the life you don't. Too many people choke hold the joy out of their relationships, out of their job, out of their church, because you're trying to make it do something it cannot do. Everlasting joy unlocks everyday joy. I hope, church, that we are a people marked by joy. I hope that we are a people who, who find ourselves abiding in Jesus. And because of that grounding relationship with God, we can actually find ourselves experiencing life in a completely different way. You know, I, I tried this this week. I tried this this week. Believe it or not, I actually do try to do what I say. 
I'm, you know, partially successful in it, partially not. You know, I always try to actually practice what I'm doing before I ever get up here to speak. So this week, I really tried this. I tried to start every morning and say, I want to focus on abiding with God. And I want to focus on the joy that comes from this relationship with the crazy idea that, that God actually has joy. I, I Think about this. Jesus was filled with joy. Now, this is church. No one here is going to say, Jesus was always angry. No one's going to say that. But functionally, we don't often think of God as being overflowing with joy. We think of God as being kind of this person who's, you know, perpetually upset or just very austere, stern. Yet Scripture says things like this that, that blows our minds, right? There is more rejoicing in heaven over the one who was sinning and has turned from their sin to God. There is more rejoicing in that moment than there are for the 99 who don't need to repent. Now pause with me. Think in your own mind. When you're walking with Jesus and you've been, you've been in sin, you've been not obeying his word, and you come to your senses and you go, God, I'm, I'm so sorry. I don't, I'm so sorry. I, I am dependent on the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, and I ask for it today. How do you imagine God is responding to you? You know what nine out of ten people I talk to imagine? Like God is sitting there with folded arms, with that long breath out of his nose showing his disappointment. Right? What is the picture that Scripture paints? There is more rejoicing in heaven. There is more joy for God, for the one who says, I have been in sin, and God, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to follow you. There is more joy in heaven in that moment than for the 99 who don't need it. See, some of you were baptized into vinegar, and I get it. I get it, right? <laughs> you know, some, some believers, right, that their life is just not marked by joy. And that can even have a pretense of godliness to it sometimes. But it's not the picture Scripture paints. You were wired for joy. But if you go about it in the wrong way, if you try to turn everyday joys into eternal joy, it's never going to happen. And you're going to choke hold the joy that you do have out of your life. So what do we do with this today? You know, as the worship team comes up, I'm going to put my Baptist hat on. And I'm going to give you an acronym, right? I don't normally do acronyms, but I'm going to do one today. Because here, here's the equation that I really want to challenge you to try. And in fact, we're going to send out a, uh, a four-day just meditation guide. We're going to send out over email. If you're not on our email list, uh, shoot us an email, um, trinnyny.org, um, our main address. Or you can go up online and sign up for our newsletter. We're going to send out a meditation guide four days for you to focus on abiding in Christ first and then experiencing the joy of Christ, that relationship with God. And in that space, I am believing that you're going to be finding yourself experiencing more joy in your everyday life. You know, when I tried this this week, I found myself, uh, I found myself amazed at how many times I found myself smiling at things I would have just passed by right? Little things, even a cup of coffee, birds singing, sunshine. You can experience more joy in your life. And in fact, 
Jesus said, I say all these things to you because I want my joy to be in you and I want your joy to not be a little bit, not be kind of, I actually want you to have complete joy in your life. So here's how it starts. Just a simple way to think about abiding because some of these concepts are really can be nebulous for us, right? When you're starting your time and you're starting your day, whatever that looks like for you, a space where you can be quiet, what does it look like to abide? Here's just a way to start. One of many. A, acknowledge God as the source of life. Start by saying, God, I, I believe that you are the true vine. And that life flows through you. You who breathe life into the dust, would you breathe life into me today? B, believe that God wants to work through you. See, I cannot tell you how many people I've talked to who limit what God can do in their life because they find themselves going, that, that, that's not me, right? I'm not even sure that's Pastor Brian, but some pastors out there, God, God has a mission for and like is doing amazing things of, and I'm just kind of on the bench, right? But John 15, in this image of a vine who's producing much fruit, isn't about a certain elite class that's actually meant for all believers, that God wants to work a fruit through you. God, you're my source, and I believe you want to work in my life. I Invite the Holy Spirit to lead and empower you. This isn't about human effort. It's not about spiritual gumption. But it's about a fruit that flows through because you're connected to the vine. D, dedicate your day to Him. I believe that God honors those who start by saying, God, my highest goal today It's not the work thing. It's not the family thing. It's not the vacation thing. It's not the kid thing. It's not even the Christmas thing. My highest goal is to worship you. And then lastly, E, expect him to work. Be on the lookout. As the Spirit is leading, keep your eyes and ears open to see how God is working through you. And when you see it, celebrate it and praise God for it. And you know what that's going to do in your heart and life? If it's going to continue to feed this thing that gives you tremendous joy. May we, this week, as God's people take his word so seriously, may we abide in him. And as we do, experience the joy of Jesus, this unshakable, infinite well knowing that we're in a relationship with God and no matter what else happens in 2020 and people, we still got some time, okay? It's not over. We got time. Something else big is gonna happen. I know it, right? But that the joy of Jesus grounds our hearts and you know what that does? Everlasting joy will unlock the everyday joy of the simple things in your life and you will mirror the heart of Jesus. May it be true of his people today. Join with us as we respond and worship.